hello it's friday again i'm doing this uh, friday check-in outside as you can tell i really hope the wind doesn't interfere too much it's not too windy but you know <laughs> we'll try our best so if you can wherever you are take a nice deep breath <sighs> in your car or on the bus Deep breathing is socially acceptable, which is good. So as we're getting into summer up here in the Northern Hemisphere, something I wanna to add to your Friday check-ins is hydration. <laughs> Make sure you're drinking enough water when it's hot and sunny out. We can forget this really easily. We can become dehydrated really easily. So um, try to just drink plain water um, juices and pop and stuff they tend to have different effects on the body so if you can just stick with water but if there's nothing else make sure you get some liquid in there okay okay another deep breath ignore the traffic noise <laughs> I don't know if this is gonna be a good experiment or not but we'll give it a go if you can if you're sitting down if you if you can just roll your neck around a bit Loosen up your shoulder muscles. Do a little bit of stretching. Maybe just sit up straight. Put your head back. And tip your head down to your chest. Feel the stretch in your neck. Don't do it to the point of pain, but just gentle stretch. And you can try to put one ear to your shoulder. And then do the other side. Left ear to left shoulder. If you can't go all the way, don't worry. I can't. I don't think anybody can. But just towards that direction. You might hear some click-clack from your neck. It's good. It's loosening up some of those muscles. Roll your shoulders a bit. Just roll them. Rotate them. Even if you haven't been exercising, um, you'd be surprised how tense our muscles get during the day, just from everyday stuff. So it's always a good idea to just do a bit of stretching if you can. And deep breaths, especially if you're feeling anxious. Breathing is also something we forget to do consciously. We have, uh, we, you know, we breathe automatically, of course, but we don't deep breathe automatically. That's something we have to do intentionally. So I'm saying, now's your chance. <laughs> just think of one little bright spot, whatever it happened to be, even just a fleeting moment of happiness or contentment or laughter or something good just focus on that one little thing close your eyes if you can if you're not driving <laughs> um, close your eyes and think about that moment just relive it for a minute with that lovely feeling it gave you like a little mini vacation in your memory right <laughs> just remember something nice so last time i i talked to you I told you the story about the Gimli glider and you really seem to like that, which is great. I think that's awesome. Thank you so much for everybody who said they liked it. So I'm going to tell you another story. <laughs> I respond to positive reinforcement as you might know. Here's a new story for you. Okay, you ready? Okay, picture it. It's the turn of the last century. I mean, the, the other one, you know, 1900, in other words, 1900 in France. Okay, there are two brothers who are involved in the very young automobile industry 
in France. At the time, the first car in Europe was a Benz, as in Mercedes-Benz, before there was Mercedes. So Benz was uh, the first patented car in Europe, I think, and that was the late 1890s, something like that. Anyway, there was only really a few hundred cars in France at the time. But these two brothers thought, well, cars need tires, you know, let's, let's make les pneus. So they did, but you see, at the time, people didn't really travel all that much in their little motor cars. They didn't go many places. It, there weren't that many, and the tires didn't wear out that often. So the brothers were thinking, oh, what are we going to do about this? This is a problem. The tires on the cars just last too long, and we can't replace them fast enough to make any money. So they thought, hey, j'ai une idée. That's what one brother probably said to the other. I have an idea. Let's make a guidebook for the local area, but not too local, like, like far flung, you know, a few hundred miles, kilometers, whatever. And we will tell people about, you know, we'll give them maps, we'll give them guides to where the, the uh, petrol stations are, gas stations, I should say. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Um, hotels, places to eat, things like that. And we'll give them this guidebook for free and say, you know, there's this great attraction out there and, you know, 200 kilometers from here. You should go. Take the wife, take the kids. Have fun, right? And if they go to these places, this is what the brothers thought. Aha. <laughs> very clever they'll wear out their tires and they'll have to come to us right for more tires i mean kelbunny day right what a good idea so they did this they created this little guide it was a little red book and they gave it out for free to motorists and in it it was a wealth of information it was so good in fact that during world war ii i'm jumping ahead as i am want to do but <clears throat> You, you, you just you just listen um, in World War II they had to stop the production because the maps were too good they didn't want the maps of France and probably I mean I don't know they probably had maps of other countries in Europe neighboring countries too they didn't want the maps falling into the wrong hands so they had to cease production this is just to illustrate how good this little guidebook was people loved it it was great they could find everything they needed so this went on for hmm, 20 years this was great and the brothers are thinking <laughs> we're cleaning up here this is great people are coming in with worn out tires and who fixes them Nuzolt. we do pas de problème so they started realizing that there was something else they could do as if this wasn't enough they started realizing you know, a lot of people decide that they want to go to spe special attractions. They're, they're willing to drive to go someplace really good, right? Someplace they've heard of, someplace that's famous for its whatever, whatever it's famous for. Whether it's um, a, some sort of tourist attraction or some kind of fine dining, restaurant, um, hotel, something like that. So why don't we go out ourselves go to some of these places and if we think it's really good we'll give it a star and we'll put a star in the book and say this is a good place 
this has got what you need. This is great food, great atmosphere, great entertainment, great value for money, whatever. So they started doing that. They started going around to all these restaurants and hotels and they started reviewing them basically, assessing them. And if you pass the test, you got a star, bam. So then that continued for about six years and that was very popular. 1926, they thought one star isn't enough. It doesn't mean, you know, maybe there's a place that mm, just about barely got a star, but it's, it's still okay. It's just not, maybe we need a, a bigger scale. So they moved it up to three stars. They thought this should be, you know, three stars is top of the line, fantastic, never gonna find anything better on the planet. It's fantastic. Two stars, one star is a little bit less, but still pretty damn good. So, have you started to figure out the last name of these very clever French brothers yet? I think you, you probably have. If you've ever bought tires or watched Gordon Ramsay lose it on his kitchen staff, you probably already know the name. Michelin. Or Michelin. The Michelin star rating system for restaurants is now all over the world. They recognize something like 37 countries, restaurants in 37 countries. It's the gold standard for excellence in fine cuisine. And the winning of a star or stars is so important to a restaurant or a chef's reputation and I guess the head chef's ego that losing even one star can be completely devastating. In fact, two chefs have committed suicide after losing a star. A guy called Bernard Loiseau in 2003. His name means bird, isn't that neat? And then another guy called, let's see if I get this right, Benoit Violier in 2016. And some chefs like Marco Pierre White and Sebastian Bra have actually given back their stars and said, you know, the pressure it brings is just too much to bear. Now this story, the reason I told you this story, not just because I like telling stories, but the reason I told you this story is I think it should serve as a reminder to those of us who look to external ratings, awards, accolades, or accreditations for our self-worth. Now, maybe now, you know, the, the more than 120 years after its inception, the Michelin Guide finds and rewards the best kitchens in the world. But I don't think we should ever forget that its original purpose was to get people to buy more tires. I mean, it was a simple business play, make people wear out their tires. It wasn't a judge of quality or superiority. I mean, it wasn't a bad idea for a tire business in 1900 or even today for that matter. But knowing this, no one should ever be so devastated by losing one of these stars that they take their own lives or give up their careers. So if you think that you're less than because you haven't won awards or been given some kind of gold star, or especially if you were in the running for some prize or other and you didn't win, just think about the fancy pants Michelin guide to these shishi restaurants and remember where it started as a way to sell more tires. Always consider the source if you're looking for outside approval and what their motives might be. Don't let 
anyone's opinion of you matter more than your own. So that's it for this week. Enjoy your weekend. Relax, have fun, enjoy the sun, but wear sunscreen and drink lots of water. (laughs) Be good to yourself. You're worth it.